Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Today is August 9th, 2021, and in our first story, Rand Paul has called on Americans to resist new COVID restrictions, referring to the CDC's mask guidance as anti-science. At the same time the media is smearing him, they're defending Barack Obama's mostly maskless birthday party in defiance of those same CDC guidelines. Rules for thee, but not for me. In our next story, it seems like the economy is in a slow motion collapse. NBC warns that vaccine mandates could stop people from taking jobs. We are now looking at more job openings than people available to work. Does not seem like the economy is actually recovering. And I have a personal experience. My local stores seem to be losing more and more employees. I'm actually getting worried about it. And in our final story, Ben Shapiro trounces MSNBC's Malcolm Nance in a debate on Bill Maher's show, Real Time. And Malcolm Nance's response is that it must be bots, robots on Twitter. But even Newsweek says, no, that's just not true. Ben did amazingly, but there are a few points that I think we should bring up about critical race theory. Now, if you like this show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Senator Rand Paul has put out a video calling on Americans to resist anti-science mask mandates and to defy the orders of the mini tyrants. Now, this is devolving into an all-out propaganda war, which is par for the course. And Rand Paul is trending on Twitter with 168,000 tweets. That is a lot of tweets. Well, many of the establishment activists are putting out overt disinformation right now. They're either falsely framing what Rand Paul said or they're, try- they're, they're actually showing photos from six or so years ago of Rand Paul getting a standard, you know, I think, I think it's like a measles booster, and claiming that Rand Paul is actually vaccinated for COVID. Well, if you've been following the news and you know who Rand Paul is, you would know that he actually contracted COVID and said that he would not be getting the vaccine because of his natural immunity. Well, that's between him and his doctor, and he can say whatever he wants to say. I'm not here to talk about science in that regard. I'm here to say... So long as the media, the establishment institutions keep putting out contradictory information, there will never be unity in this country. 
And that made me start, I, I saw this video and I started thinking, you know, what, what, what is going on? How is this? We've got not only Rand Paul trending, but Obama variant. What is that? Obama had a big old birthday party, a big old birthday party with a big old tent in Martha's Vineyard. Celebrities were showing up. Nobody was wearing masks. Apparently, well, I should say there's photos of most people not wearing masks. Maybe somebody at some point was. And they tell us that uh, not, not to ignore it. A New York Times reporter on CNN saying, oh, but they're sophisticated, vaccinated. That doesn't change anything. We're being told right now that even if you're vaccinated, you got to wear a mask. So how is it that they are claiming Obama is fine and safe to do whatever he wants? It's no surprise then when the former president, Barack Obama, defies all of the mandates and all of the restrictions that regular people are going to be like, I'll follow his lead. But of course, when Rand Paul comes out and says it, what happens? They say that he's a crackpot. They say he's telling you to completely ignore the CDC, which is not at all what he said. But this is the, the nature of modern culture war propaganda. Check this out. I want, and I'm going to show you some stuff. New York Times reporter faces backlash over sophisticated vaccinated crowd comments about Obama party. DJ was posting photos from the party. Ain't nobody wearing masks that I can see. Look at that. They're all dancing, having a good time. I mean, maybe someone somewhere was wearing a mask. Sure. Apparently, they made this person take his videos down. Then we get Dr. Fauci saying the Sturgis bike rally is a potential super spreader event, but saying nothing about Obama. You come out and you do this and you will lose the trust of the American people. So I'll tell you this. I don't think Fauci is serious. I don't think any of these Democrats are serious. I think they actually don't care about any of this stuff. Now, as I always say, I'm not here to tell you what to do. You go talk to, to your trusted medical professionals, show them any story you're concerned with, ask them to give you answers. That's what doctors are for. It's the other crazy thing, too. People are telling me like they don't trust their doctors. And I'm like, but don't you have to go to them for like other things, too? So just find someone you trust. I know I always say it, but it bears repeating. As for uh, how it's affecting our country, though, when Fauci knows this criticism is real, when the Democrats know they're being heavily criticized for a double standard and they keep doing it, you're going to have to come out and tell me that every single one of these people is so mind-blowingly stupid, so mind-blowingly stupid, they keep doing the same thing over and over again. All right, I can believe it, I guess. So incredibly mind-blowingly dumb. Now, perhaps you are but a humble uh, Democrat and you are uh, not a fan of mine, maybe, or somehow you found this video and you're saying it's all these right wingers are dumb anti-vaxxers. I'm only saying one thing. If you want to convince people to wear masks and get the vaccine, you cannot ignore Lollapalooza, Black Lives Matter and Barack Obama's birthday party and then expect people to think you're being honest. Joe Rogan, he came out and said, the vaccine passports are one step closer to dictatorship. Oh, bro, we are we are so far above and beyond, my friend. I mean, Joe's right. But let's take a look. I want to let's start with Rand Paul and, and, and I'll show you what's going on from politicsusa.com. I love this one because Politics USA is certified by NewsGuard 90 out of 100. They say they tell you who owns it. They label their advertising. They don't publish false content, but they don't avoid deceptive headlines. OK, what does that mean? Deceptive. False. Isn't it? It's, it's really interesting to me that NewsGuard can say their headlines are deceptive, but not fa not false. Wait, what? How does that make sense? It, either you're being truthful or you're not. Sure. Well, I can maybe show you one example. Check this out. In the article from today, they say 
Rand Paul tells Kentucky to ignore the CDC as COVID hospitalizations skyrocket. Okay, I'll give NewsGuard the benefit of the doubt because it's technically the truth, the best kind of the truth. Rand Paul said to ignore specific anti-science mask policies. He didn't say ignore the CDC, full stop. Of course, what did Ron Filipkowski uh, say? Rand Paul today, quote, it's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. No one should follow the CDC. He then says he will introduce amendments to defund any government agency that seeks to enforce CDC guidelines, including schools. A bit of a stretch, missing a lot of context. Ron, uh, Rand Paul, not Ron, Rand Paul said no one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask guidelines or something to that effect. I think the full context is important. I'm not saying Rand is right, and I'm not saying you should do what he says. Not at all. I'm saying you should actually go talk to someone else about your medical, uh, uh, what, what you should do. You make decisions for yourself. Don't come to me for your life choices. But Rand Paul didn't say that. It's actually quite incredible that they, look at this. Now, they go on to mention what he said. It's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your, your kids home from school. We don't have to accept the mandates, the lockdowns, the policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. Paul later claimed, Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. The fascinating thing about this is that they can write articles like this completely and mind-blowingly oblivious to the fact that Obama just had a massive celebrity birthday party. If they are saying it's fine, though, because they're sophisticated and vaccinated, why then are they mandating masks regardless of vaccination status? Obama is acting in violation of the CDC guidelines. So long as you have that, no one is going to listen to you. But of course, there's more. Let's take a look at this tweet from uh, Mr. Uh, Doc. I'm sorry, Dr. Senator Rand Paul. And we can see here this photo. One person said Senator Rand Paul getting the vaccination to prevent serious problems from COVID. I got vaccinated too. Won't you join us? Please get the vax. And there is a photo of Rand Paul getting a, a, a shot of some sort. Interesting. What could that be? Okay, well, uh, my, my, my credits to Newsweek. Fact check. Does a photo show Rand Paul getting a COVID vaccine? This is what they're using right now to propagandize. And this is why I'm telling you it is activist establishment elitist propaganda. They are telling you that Rand Paul, while advising people against the CDC guidelines, is actually vaccinated himself. He's a grifter. He's lying. And this is what drives people. Lies from the mainstream media. Because you know what I think? I think there are two overarching parent trees in the culture war. And people always say it's authoritarian, libertarian, it's nationalist, globalist. No, I think it's people who blindly trust the media and people who don't. That's it. So, so here's what ends up happening. In the people who blindly trust the media, you get like Sam Harris, right? Sam Harris, apparently there was, there was a, a, a Twitter thread talking about why people don't trust the establishment and uh, from the guys from Trigonometry. And Sam Harris said something like, yes, I understand, but we still have to trust the institutions. What? You see, that is the like, if we were doing left and right based on do I trust the media? Sam Harris is like center left. Like, I know there's reasons not to trust them, but let's trust them anyway. And then you have center right, which would be like, I'm not going to trust them. I'll trust some of the stuff they put out if I can verify it, but you know, and then you'll get your, your, your general understanding of why this country is only about 50.2% vaccinated because half the people are like, dude, you came out and said X and Y at the same time. And those contradict each other. Meanwhile, other, the, 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 and that's the this discerning crowd. Then you get the other side where they're just like, I believe whatever the media says, even if it's contradictory. Now there are some, uh, 
with people like Sam Harris, who are trying to seem reasonable, but still telling you to do something that makes no sense. On the right, you actually get crackpots. You get people who are like, the media is lying. The history books are lying. Blah, and they believe insane things. So look, everybody's got their, their fringe elements. The problem is the right doesn't control cultural institutions. Check this out. Newsweek says, a photo of Senator Rand Paul receiving an injection has been spread on social media as his stances on vaccinations have been questioned. As Senator Paul's positions on vaccines and restrictions amid the pandemic have faced scrutiny in some corners, Twitter users have shared the photo showing him receiving an injection and suggesting it is him being vaccinated against COVID-19. Paul said in May he will not get vaccinated as he has already had COVID-19. He also authored a column for the Courier Journal in which he pushed against the suggestion that people who have already been infected should receive the vaccine. In a video posted to his Twitter account on Sunday, he said, you know, we, we understand. The CDC, which Paul criticizes in his video, continues to recommend people still get the vaccine even if they have previously been infected with COVID. But you should talk to your doctor. Yes, you should be vaccinated regardless of whether you have already had COVID. That's because experts do not yet know how long you are protected from getting sick again after recovering from COVID. Several Twitter users responded to Paul's post uh, with a photo of the senator with his sleeve rolled up getting a vaccine, suggesting it was COVID. However, while the photo is real and shows Paul receiving an injection, it was taken long before COVID. In the photo, neither he or the person performing the injection is wearing a mask, an indication the photo was not taken during COVID times. The photo is from February 2015, taken by New York Times reporter Jeremy W. Peters. It shows Paul receiving a Hep A booster shot in the Capitol Physician's office at the time. Paul also shared a photo of himself receiving the booster. And it's tweeted, 2015, you can see it. Fact check, false. The photo being circulated is from 2015, long before the pandemic. The photo shows Paul receiving a Hep A booster shot, so we get it. They are lying, lying again and again and again and again and again. I know, that, no, I know and Newsweek has come out and debunked it. That's why I'm saying there are people who blindly trust whatever the media says, even if it's contradictory. And then there are people, well, to be fair, like I mentioned, there's, there's whatever. I don't like saying left or right in this regard because trust and distrust of the media shouldn't be a left or right thing. And there are a lot of people on the left who don't trust the media. So there are people who don't trust the media. I look at this and I'm like, I can see the date. I can confirm what Newsweek said is true. So what Newsweek has done is they've aggregated some data and some evidence. I can look at the evidence and clearly see the tweet with the photo from Jeremy W. Peters says 2015 on it. Thus, it is extremely likely. Uh, I, actually, I should say it's definitive. This photo is from 2015. They, they can't go back in time and post a different photo. So Newsweek writes it up. I read through it and can clearly see the evidence. Not that Newsweek is the greatest thing ever. Not like they do a fantastic job all the time. But here we can understand this. Now, the funny thing is, about politicsusa.com is that when this guy, Ron, says, quote, no one should follow the CDC claiming it came from Rand Paul, he doesn't include the video, just a photo. Do you see the game they play? The article doesn't actually include the video of Rand Paul. Amazing. However, it does include the full quote. I, 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 should, I should clarify. It does in, it include the full quote, not the video. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. He didn't say no one should follow the CDC like this other guy said, but this is the basis for the article. So if you're, if you're reading just the headline, if you're seeing just the tweet, you live in a fictitious reality. I'm sorry, you don't understand the truth. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's you got to understand, if the truth requires 100 pieces of information and one of those pieces is stripped away, then you are not getting the full truth. And that can shape your perspective incorrectly in the wrong direction. 
That's true for even channels like mine, because I don't see everything. I don't get everything right. But the problem with this is that it seems to be intentional. They purposefully omit a key point of what he said. There's a big difference between saying no one should follow the CDC and no one should follow anti-science mask guidelines. Not that I'm saying I, comp- I agree with Rand Paul. I'm not. I'm pointing out the double standard and the hypocrisy. Then you get something like this. I love it. From Fox News, a New York Times reporter received backlash on social media after making a comment on another network that critics believe dismissed the concerns about Obama's star-studded maskless birthday party. New York Times White House correspondent Annie Carney discussed the controversy surrounding Obama's much-criticized Martha's Vineyard celebration, where he was seen not wearing a mask and used the term sophisticated crowd, saying that the guests were following all the safety precautions. The clip sparked outrage on social media, including from Glenn Greenwald, who wondered aloud why more people weren't concerned about the spread of the Delta variant of the coronavirus at Obama's party. That's why Obama variant was trending. A New York Times reporter on CNN justifying Obama's huge maskless birthday bash because he only invited a sophisticated vaccinated crowd is about as emblematic of liberal discourse as it gets. Greenwald tweeted, what happened to all the concerns about vaccinated people passing Delta to the unvaccinated? It doesn't matter when Obama does it. These people are authoritarians, okay? This is what you need to understand. When the media says the sky is blue, and then they say, okay, and the next day they say the sky is green, and they say, okay, that's authoritarianism. Strict adherence to the authority apparatus. When Barack Obama does whatever he wants and flouts the rules, that is authoritarianism. When they say the authority can do no wrong, and you can, you can say and do whatever you want, that's authoritarianism. Libertarianism calls for a little bit more logic. And I don't mean big L libertarian party libertarianism, because I got to be honest, most of those guys, most of those, those people at the libertarian party, weird, except for mostly for the Mises caucus. I mean, they, they seem to be pretty all right. But uh, for regular people, seeing the inconsistency and the lies, it ain't going to work. I wonder, how do we pull ourselves out of something like this? Look at this. One law for bikers, another for Obama. Fury is Fauci scolds Sturgis rally as a potential super spreader event, but says nothing about Obama. Fauci was blasted for saying he was worried about the Sturgis motorcycle rally as a potential super spreader event, but not mentioning Barack Obama's controversial birthday party. And, and you know what? I'll be honest. Let's 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 talk uh, reasonably. Who would you be more concerned about getting and spreading COVID? Um, a bunch of bikers or a bunch of uh, celebrities and world leaders? Yeah, maybe the, uh, the, the latter, right? I mean, Obama is a former president. The people showing up to his party are celebrities. They reach high positions. They, they, they uh, meet with important and privileged people, and people who run industry and people who run government. All right, well, I may not be a fan of most of those people, but shouldn't they be worried that this is going to cause a super spreader event among our top tier politicians and world leaders and celebrities and, well, not so much celebrities, but celebrities who may then go on and meet with other world leaders? They should. They don't. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? They don't seem to care. Why? I'll tell you this. You know, when I look at Obama, I think hope and change. And when I see him not wearing a mask and no one else is, I say, okay, I guess we don't have to. I mean, look, if, if these people are so important and privileged and noble, uh, why should we, we? We should act like them, right? We want to be better men, as they say. We want to be like the noble Obama family. All right, well then, I, I encourage everybody to just do as Obama does, right? And I'm, I, I'm, I genuinely, I, well, I should, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I shouldn't tell you to do anything. I'm just saying, I think a lot of people will be inspired. 
and will act like Obama does because, you know, he's the one who's leading the charge and showing us how to be better people, right? I mean, (laughs) you wouldn't want to imply that Obama was a bad person, was a liar and a hypocrite, and all these celebrities are liars and hypocrites. There's a study that came out. They uh, uh, surveyed people uh, who are vaccine hesitant. And they found that in May, the, there's the one, according to education level, those with PhDs were the most likely to be vaccine hesitant. I can't tell you why that is. I don't know. I can say, if you have people who pay attention to the news and are, and are watching and reading and they see this, I wouldn't be surprised if they become hesitant because they're going to be like, if Obama's not doing the rules, I don't know why anybody else would, Right. But regular working class people, people with high school diplomas or high school dropouts were the most likely to become less hesitant, probably because they're not really paying attention to the news and media. I think that's that, that's a factor. And they don't see all this stuff. Joe Rogan comes out and says, you're moving one step closer to dictatorship, blasting vaccine passports on his podcast and warns that politicians who impose mandate are not going to give that power up fact. That's a fact. It's They, they, they don't give it up. They say it's a crisis. We need X power. They take it. They always have. They always will. And people who don't pay attention to history, they're, they're the ones who are walking us back into that history. They say that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. The problem is we didn't. We know history. We read history. The problem is most people don't. And so they walk us right back into these traps, to these problems, to these holes. I'll tell you one thing. One of the most worrying things is this story from July 2nd, just over a month ago. Nurses fired for not getting COVID-19 vaccine explain their rationale. Did we see hospitals as super spreaders? A serious question. Because here's, let's get logical with this. I see a lot of people claiming that this, this gives them great doubt because why would they be firing nurses during a, during a pandemic? Certainly you'd want as many nurses as possible. My immediate response is, If you've got nurses that are not vaccinated and they are spreading COVID to other people in the hospital, you got a problem, okay? Someone might come in with COVID and there might be someone else with cancer in a different ward and that nurse could get it from the sick patient and then give it to somebody else. Hospitals are actually really awful uh, uh, transmission vectors for a lot of diseases. You got to understand, people people don't know this, I, I guess, that older people who might go in for a routine checkup could actually get sick because it makes sense, right? Sick people go to hospital. Hospital has a lot of disease and sickness. They got to be very, very careful with this stuff. So it does make sense that now that a vaccine is available, they're like, you got to get it. We don't want you spreading this all over the place. But that brings me to the bigger question of were hospitals super spreader nexuses or, 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 pit, or points, right? I'm wondering if last year we saw the hospitals actually as a vector for transmission. If we did not, and the data suggests the nurses don't actually spread this, then I think this is absurd. And these are questions that need to be asked because these are logical and basic questions. Why are nurses being fired? Perhaps it's because they were. They were uh, vectors for transmission. I don't recall the stories about that, though. I, I, I don't. I mean, we gave all the nurses PPE. We gave them all goggles. I suppose a vaccine would be substantially better than the personal protective equipment. But there's a lot of concerns about whether or not there's going to be more variants, whether or not there's going to be more breakthrough cases. And in Israel, Israel's been reporting that efficacy has been diminishing, and the CDC says they don't know how long the vaccine actually protects you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not the vaccine. Uh, well, that, that may be the case. They don't know how long natural immunity lasts. I would, I, would, I, would, I would then ask, politely and reasonably, 
How long, how long do the vaccines last? If natural immunity doesn't last that long, do the vaccines last longer? I mean, like, honest question. I'm not trying to say anything doubtful about it. So the question's for your doctor, to be completely honest. I'm just saying, when, you, when, when people hear that nurses are getting fired, then in the end, you're going to have a lot of people questioning all, all of this. These are just more and more reasons why when, when, the, when the establishment Democrat leftist types come out and say things like, we're, we're not getting past this because of these stupid Trump anti-vaxxers, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Trump's pro-vax. Ron DeSantis is pro-vax. When you come out with these double standards, people doubt you. How do we solve for that? I don't know. But I can tell you this. They're never going to let a good crisis go to waste. They're never going to give up these emergency powers. So follow the news. Be discerning. Do your own research. There's an interesting thing I'll say, right? You know, Sam Harris isn't completely wrong when he says we still have to trust some institutions. He's right. Like I showed you from Newsweek, they gave us the evidence that we can verify and understand the logic. You've got to watch out for when they use anonymous sources and other garbage sophistry. But for the most part, look, I'm using Yahoo News. I'm using uh, uh, New York Post, Daily Mail, Newsweek. Certainly, we trust them to a, to, a, to a great deal, to be honest, because we can verify a lot of that stuff. But it's a quality. I would say like overall, the news industry, and I don't mean blogs, I don't mean rage bait, is at like a 65 out of 100. So we're, we're planning a, uh, I, I think this will be really, really fun, actually. We're planning, uh, I've been planning this for some time, a fact-checking organization. We're going we're gonna to randomly sample 100 articles from different news outlets from the past month. And then we're going to rate them, uh, give them strikes based on the uh, standard like SPJ or like Reuters ethics. Don't do, like the things you're not supposed to do in journalism. One violation for any article means the article is an X, stricken. And then we'll say, you know, X out of 100 were positive, you know, news articles. I think the news industry as a whole is probably at like a 65 out of 100. I think if you were to randomly sample 100 news articles from mainstream news sources, again, I don't mean like Huffington Post and Salon. I mean like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. You'd find that like 65 out of 100 are probably going to be legit, straightforward and good news. But I don't mean good news is positive. I mean like a good job. What you need to understand is a lot of news is really dry. An article will be like, today Donald Trump flew to Morocco to meet with an oil exec or something. And it's like very short. And you're like, okay, that, there's nothing violative in there, right? But the problem is that when it comes to polit politics, everything's loaded. And so we're constantly being inundated with this garbage. If we actually randomly sample across the board, you'd find a lot of what they cover is actually fine. But it's going to be interesting. And so uh, we're going we're to be putting that out. Um, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll take a long time. I mean, there's only so much work one person can do and we're, we're growing and, and doing things as fast as we can, but that's one of the big plans. And then I would like to do a general overview of like main, of, of just news in general, take the top 10 news, news outlets by traffic, and then do a random sampling of maybe a hundred articles per round it out and then, or do an average and be like on average, mainstream news sources are doing X, but I'll leave it there. In the end, it's going to be up to you to actually read the news and fact check. And I know it's not easy, but this is where we're at right now. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Last week, we got a smashing new jobs report. Nearly 1 million jobs added, and that's pretty good news. A lot of outlets started saying this shows that America is in recovery but then there's really bad news, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think we then have to get real. Although we may be seeing more people taking up jobs, there is a concern right now, particularly NBC writing about this, mandating vaccines amid a worker shortage could spell trouble for corporate America. 
And I think that's true because when you actually look at the hard numbers, although we added a million jobs, there is now another record job openings, 10.1 million unfilled positions and people won't take these jobs. So while we may be saying, hey, look at this jobs report, that's great. There's several factors which suggest things actually might get a lot worse. Notably, that we're hearing more about potential restrictions and lockdowns. That when people like Rand Paul come out and say, resist this, they're mocked and derided. And many establishment tribalists are actively encouraging more lockdown measures, mandatory vaccinations and masks, which discourage people from taking these jobs. You see, while I can point out NBC writes an article saying that mandatory vaccination may actually hurt businesses and hurt our recovery. We've got mask mandates. And this is one of the most fascinating stories because it it just shows what people are not willing to tolerate. From Cincinnati.com, labor shortage squeezes Kroger's hiring blitz. Kroger, they wanted to hire a bunch of people and they don't even have mandatory vaccinations. In fact, they just have mask policies. I think many people don't even want to accept that. So when we're looking at a time when our economy is hurting, but we're getting more and more people mandating things other people don't want to do, and you have establishment activists and leftists advocating for more unemployment benefits, the result should be clear to everyone. You tell people you want to work here, you got to wear a mask, the job sucks, or you got to get a vaccine. And people are going to be like, you know what? I'm getting the 300 bucks for free anyway. I'm out. I don't want any of this stuff. And you know why this one hit home to me is because I I filmed this Instagram video. Now it has over 100,000 views. I I understand that on YouTube, I get more than that. But on Instagram, I just post random nonsense. 100,000 views because the other day we went grocery shopping. We wanted to get some healthy food. I'm tired of eating. You know, I, I eat pretty well, but not well enough. Too often we're ordering. So I said, we'll get some vegetables. And we're walking around this local grocery store, a regular local shop we go to all the time. I cover these stories talking about shortages. And yes, there are shortages and labor shortages, supply shortages. And now it's coming close to home because there are signs every 10 feet, $500 bonus, $500 bonus. Now I understand I've mentioned you drive down the street, you see the fast food restaurants begging for workers, but this supermarket did not have these signs. The last time I went there, it's getting worse. More and more signs are starting to pop up. People don't want to work. And when the Republicans come out and say, we're going to shut down this $300 bonus, activists sue and get them reinstated. So let's add this together. Free money if you don't work. If you do work, it's a crappy job that doesn't pay very well. You got to wear a mask and or get a vaccine. People are going to be like, I'm not doing that. And you know what? I got to be honest. I don't blame them. I mean, come on, let's be real. The, the, the stores, the companies, they want you to do all these things, jump through all these hoops. They create barriers of entry. And then the government says, over here's free money. What do you think a person's going to do? I'm worried about this. Genuinely worried. And I think the, the, the full jobs report with job openings shows us the real context. While many may be, say, may be saying that things are getting good, I think it's fair to say that there is unfortunately reason for, man, I hate to say it, but pessimism. But it's in highlighting these things that we can understand the problems and maybe push back and maybe make things better. But look, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's basically all I do. And I don't know, it kind of sucks. I, I just I think we focus on these things because if we don't, then they get even worse. 
Hopefully by talking about this, people become informed. They push back and they say, no, we need people to get back to work. Let's read the news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get an ad-free experience on all of our news articles and content, as well as exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. We have an extended debate. You may have seen the debate with Charlie, Kirk, and Vosh last week. We have an extended debate. Check it out at TimCast.com. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. All right. Let's try and be realistic about the economy and, and, and read through this. And I'll tell you this, while the news may be bad, this is good that you're watching it. Because if this stuff is all true, NBC is correct that mandating vaccines could, be, make, could make it harder for companies to recover, then by you knowing about it, you will be better pre- prepared for the future. As the saying goes, chance favors the prepared. Insider reports the U.S. economy has more open jobs than people looking for work. They say rumors of a labor shortage first emerged as anecdotes. A dismal April jobs report intensified such concerns and several months of record high job openings further supported the thesis. Economic data now puts it plainly for the first time since February 2020, the U.S. has more job openings than available workers to take them. Wow. U.S. job openings soared to a record 10.1 million in June, according to Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, or JOLTS, data published Monday. And while the economy added nearly 1 million payrolls throughout the month, the increase in openings helped job listings outpace available workers. The ratio of workers to openings fell to 0.9 from 1, marking a new pandemic low and underscoring the stark imbalance between worker supply and employer demand. Now, with the bad news, I mean, there is some good news. There are a million jobs. That's fantastic. And job openings means businesses are trying to expand. But there is this barrier. Some have suggested, and maybe it's optimism, right? Maybe we should be optimistic. Because what we're really seeing is that job openings means business is a booming. Okay, maybe not a booming, but businesses now have the option to be like, we are looking to hire people. I mean, we're hiring people all the time here at TimCast. And I think maybe there's a labor shortage, but maybe the economy is doing better. The issue, I suppose, is that with the coming restrictions and what we're seeing and that article from NBC, which I showed already and we'll go through, there's reason to believe these jobs won't be filled. A lot of these companies are going to say mandate, 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 and this, that, and otherwise. They're not good jobs. People won't take them. And there may be permanent low-skill jobs that never get filled because nobody wants to do them, especially when you've got free money. Now, the question is whether or not uh, these businesses will be pressured by the, the supply and demand crunch. I mean, it's simple, right? If a business needs employees and they say you must wear a mask or get a vaccine and people keep saying, nope then eventually the business will be like, okay, we relent. You don't need to. I don't think so. I don't think that would happen. I think the businesses would say, then we won't hire you and we won't expand because we've got money to begin with. And because we are seeing only an escalation of the restrictions, nobody wants to be the out group and nobody wants the liability. But let's read a little bit more from Insider. They say such a reading isn't totally unusual. The ratio set as low as 0.8 before the pandemic when the U.S. was enjoying its longest economic expansion in history. Readings below one indicate tightness in the labor market or that businesses are struggling to find workers. But what's unusual here is the record number of openings. That implies the U.S. jobs market is acting like it's near the end stage of a long economic expansion. But it's only a year removed from one of the worst recessions in history. 
Anecdotes of new incentives, such as signing bonuses and higher wages, first hinted at a nationwide worker shortage. But this latest JOLTS data confirms that American workers are reluctant to take most of the jobs on offer. Whether that's related to low wages, COVID concerns, or something else is unclear. It's not about the money. I hear people over and over again saying, if these businesses only paid more money, that's not it. It's not it. It's time. Fulfillment. I don't blame people. Who wants to work at McDonald's? Sorry, McDonald's. It's true. You know, McDonald's likes to say that they're like everyone's first job. I never worked there, but a lot of people do. You're a teenager, you get a job, and it's rudimentary, as it were. But people don't want to work there. And so they're willing to just not work. It's unfortunate, but I think this is what's going to be happening. Let me show you about my experience. I posted this video. I said, I'm not too confident as more and more stores around me are losing staff and struggle to hire. You can see here, I've posted this video, $500 hiring bonus slapped right in front of that cultured low-fat buttermilk. I was walking uh, through the store on the way in. I noticed it right away, right in front of the door. Big sign, $500 bonus. Sign up now. My first thought was, sure, how long do you have to work here until you get that bonus? I don't know. But I'd imagine they'd be like, on your third paycheck, you'll get 500 bucks. And people are going to be like, I don't care about that. Which is why I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it, it might literally be like sign-on bonus. That's his hiring bonus. So who knows? I saw the sign. And as I walked to the store, they were everywhere. Seriously, like every 10 feet, bonus, 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 bonus. What was crazy to me is that I had gone to the supermarket only a few weeks prior, and they weren't saying this. They weren't putting up these signs. Other stores were, and we were supposed to operate on the assumption that things were going to be getting better. Now I go to the store, and everything around me is getting worse. So does that mean everything is getting worse? Maybe not. Maybe it's just this one area. But I got to say, based on everything I've read, the shortages, the mandates, everything we're seeing, it sounds to me like it will be getting worse. Take a look at this. Some of the stories I showed you are early on. Cincinnati.com says, just as Kroger launched a summer hiring blitz, the grocer is confronting the national labor shortage across several industries as the pandemic receded. In June, the Cincinnati-based supermarket chain launched a hiring campaign to add 10,000 workers nationwide, including 1,000 targeted for its hometown. So far, Kroger indicates it's about halfway, noting it made 5,000 job offers to individuals who participated in a one-day hiring event in June that occurred at stores and digitally. But that doesn't mean they hired those people. Kroger officials said they are still hiring but did not update their overall headcount. They added competition for workers. They added competition for workers is part of the reason the grocer has, grocer has boosted wages and is raising them again this year. Why would someone give up $16 an hour in unemployment benefits, assuming they are getting it, not everybody is, in exchange for $16 an hour of work? They're not gonna. Add to that this news. Costco, Kroger, Target, Walmart, and Apple change mask policies as CDC warns about rise in Delta variant. The agency now recommends that people, regardless of vaccination status, wear face masks indoors again in certain situations. I went to the, I went shopping the other day, went to the grocery store, went to the mall. Everybody was wearing masks. Not the people, but the workers were. How many people are going to look at that and be like, I'm not doing it. Sorry, I'm, I'm not. And here we go. NBC News. Dropping the hammer. Mandating vaccines amid a worker shortage could spell trouble for corporate America. 
It's so hard to find workers now that if you know a certain percentage of your workers are going to quit due to the vaccine mandate, you are not going to disrupt that, said one HR expert, which brings us to the potential question of if nurses are quitting because they don't want to get vaccines and it's happened, if other nurses are quitting because they're overworked and that's happened and businesses are mandating vaccines and there are people who don't want them, then is, <laughs> is it just going to get... I'll put, it, I'll, I'll put it this way. Is the pandemic going to get worse because people won't take the vaccine and won't work in these hospitals? It sounds like a downward spiral. In fact, I'll throw it over to Zuby. Smart, smart man. He said controlled demolition on my Instagram post. I think that's the way to put it. NBC News says the trickle of companies taking action on employee vaccinations has swelled to a flood in recent days, with businesses from Google to United Airlines announcing requirements about COVID-19 inoculation. Although the vaccines have been widely available for months, John Ho, a labor and employment attorney and chain of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration practice at the law firm of Cozen O'Connor, said it's unsurprising that companies have been slower to set policies since the science is rapidly evolving and even public health guidance from the CDC regarding masking and transmission risk based on vaccination status has changed over time. Quote, this has been a boomerang of different mandates, Ho said, adding that OSHA has not yet formally adopted the CDC's recent guidance, creating a challenge of mixed messages for HR and legal departments. Looking at my client base, most employers are still not mandating vaccines. Although certain industries have implemented mandates at a greater percentage, the Operation Warp Speed title was probably not a good one in retrospect, he said, in that it might have triggered vaccine hesitancy among people who came away with the perception that the process was rushed or corners were cut. Notably, people like Joy Reid and Kamala Harris and other prominent Democrats who literally expressed that opinion. One sticking point appears to be the emergency use authorization the available vaccines currently have from the FDA. Although the New York Times recently reported that full approval could come come as soon as early next month, once the FDA moves into a permanent status, some employers will be more inclined to implement a mandate policy. Consulting firm Gartner has been running regular surveys that show a small but growing inclination towards requiring vaccines. In February, only about 2% of companies said they would require vaccines for employees returning to the workplace. By the end of July, the number was up to around 9%. Still, a small fraction to be sure, but a very large jump on a percentage basis. My guess is if we ask the question in a couple of weeks, it'll be even higher, said Brian Kropp, chief of research for the human resources practice at Gartner. We've noticed a huge increase just recently in the share of postings that either mandate or request employees to be vaccinated. Once the military and many more federal agencies require it, when you see more major employers require vaccinations, that will probably set a trend for other employers to follow. She added, the company's data analysis doesn't currently distinguish between encouragement and requirement. Still, many companies might prefer to use carrots rather than sticks by encouraging workers with bonuses, access or mask privileges unavailable to vaccine holdouts. People are more open to getting the vaccine if it's not phrased as a mandate. There's quite a lot of pushback to mandates. Quote, I think employers are continuing to use and are increasing incentives. I think President Biden set the example here, Ho said, noting that offering the choice of vaccination versus a regimen of potentially inconvenient testing and safety protocols might be enough to nudge some people into rolling up their sleeves. Among the companies that have announced plans to require vaccinations, Ho said there would be noticeable differences in which employees were at the front of the vaccination line. I think the folks that are doing it are focusing on their white collar folks first. And I will stress, who is to say? 
that going to someone and being like, unless you're vaccinated, you got to wear a mask is going to result in people saying, okay, I'll get the vaccine, I suppose. I think you're going to get a ton of people being like, then I won't work there. And think about it. Those, in my opinion, that are less willing to work, more likely to exploit the system, why would they be people more likely to follow the rules? If anything, they're going to be the people more likely to say, I didn't want the job in the first place. I'll take free money from the government. I'm not going to work. The people who are more likely, in my opinion, and I could be wrong about this, but I would assume somebody who's more likely to get the vaccine and just go with the flow is also more likely to have scruples and just be like, I'm going to go work. Although there are certainly people who, you know, it's a generality. They go to mention that Tyson seems to be the exception of the rule. After the meatpacking plants became an early hotbed for COVID, the company said this week that workers and its facilities would have to be vaccinated by November 1st. United Airlines did the same. More typical are vaccine edicts from companies like Disney, Uber, Walmart, which are requiring various categories of executive supervisory or corporate headquarters based on employees to be vaccinated. And they go on to mention white collar more so than blue collar. They say white collar workers, especially those in the upper rungs of the corporate ladder, presumably would have fewer alternatives available to them if they were to quit or would be less willing to sacrifice seniority or uproot their families over a standoff about the COVID vaccine. In a tight labor market where there are a lot of opportunities, you may see people move. I don't think we'll see a huge effect on retention, but we certainly could see quits increase. You may not see it in the macro numbers. That took quite a bit, a long time to get to that point, but you get the point. People are going to quit. They will absolutely quit. And it's funny, when I tweeted this, I got a response from one of these, you know, establishment lefty types. I'm not going to say his name, where he said, then there will be many job openings for people who aren't stupid. And I think it's hilarious, bro. These companies are struggling to hire people. They're struggling to expand. I'm worried about what happens when the grocery store has got no one left to stock its shelves. Where do I order my food from? I, on that post on Instagram, I saw a lot of people saying things like their local diners now only have one cook. And I'm like, dude, that happened here. The diner we go to, they're, they're, half the stores close, half the diners close. There's like one room now. And they're closing super, or, uh, yeah, they're cloping, closing super early. I couldn't believe it because, you know, it, it started out with stories here and there, like, like they mentioned, anecdotes. It started out with like some fast food restaurants. Now it's like everything. I asked myself, like, where are these people going? No, for real, like, where are they going? I see a ton of people because we're really close to the, to the Shenandoah River in the Potomac. I see people kayaking and playing in the water. And I'm just like, well, I guess there are some people, but is everyone really just sitting in their house, not working? I guess so. Check this out. COVID vaccine mandates sweep across corporate America as Delta variant spurs action. August 9th from today. More than a dozen large corporations uh, have recently announced vaccine mandates. The U.S. reported a seven-day average of more than 108,600 new cases, up from 36 a week earlier. With more mandatory vaccinations, I think you'll see more people quitting as NBC quoted that that expert, whether the expert matters. I shouldn't say expert, the individual in the industry. They said we could see people quitting. I think we will. Check this out. New Hampshire, long term care facilities face huge staffing shortage from NBC San Diego. Nursing shortage worsens amid COVID-19 surge. We're overwhelmed here. This feels like round two. Here's another story from Houston. Nurse shortage meets COVID-19 surge at Houston Hospital. And what does this lead to? 12-year-old waits an hour for ambulance as Baltimore faces EMS shortages. We are overrun. People don't get it. 
They laughed. When I post these things saying like nobody wants to work at Wendy's, they're all like, who would want to work that dumb job anyway? I'm like, you don't get it. People don't want to work anywhere. These, 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 these restrictions, requirements, they're going to make things worse. Worse than it already is. Nurses have quit because they didn't want to get the vaccine. That to me was interesting. I mean, look, I say it every time. Your decision on vaccine should be between you and your trusted health professional. Because we had that drummer from Offspring who had uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. I can't pronounce it. And uh, I should just look it up next time. He literally couldn't do it. That's why you got to talk to your doctor. So these nurses, for whatever reason, didn't. There's apparently like a big protest in defense of these firefighters who weren't going to get the vaccine. I don't know anything about why they wouldn't want to do it. That's up to them, not me. But people will quit regardless of what their medical advice is, regardless of what Fauci says, they will quit. EMS shortage is now the time we want a nurse shortage and EMS shortage, dude. How are we supposed to deal with round two, as that one nurse said in the overwhelmed hospital, when EMS is quitting and when they're firing people for not getting the vaccine? I get it. If you're going to say we want to end the pandemic and our EMS aren't getting the vaccine, then they're going to be spreading the pandemic. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to tell you what your opinion on that stuff should be. I'm going to tell you. It seems to me all of these factors have combined for a perfect storm, and I can't believe our government, our politicians would be so stupid. Okay, let's be real. I can believe they'd be this stupid. Yeah, unfortunately, I really can. This is the result of someone getting elected because the other guy was bad. And that's too much of what this country does. Instead of saying that person is good, let's vote for them. They say, well, the other person's worse. And... To be honest, that's a lot of the driving factor for both the Trump voters and the Biden voters. But I think a lot of the Trump voters liked Trump. I don't think any of the Biden voters, for the most part, liked Biden. I think it was just Trump is bad. So here we are. The ramifications of an EMS shortage. And we can see stories like this from Oklahoma. I'm sorry, from the Hill. Oklahoma judge orders state to resume federal unemployment benefits. There goes the economy in Indiana. Indiana residents sue governor over early end of pandemic unemployment benefits. This one's from back in June. I don't know where we're currently at on this one. And it may be that they don't reinstate it, but people are trying, the Republicans are trying to stop the unemployment benefits because it's crippled the economy completely. I don't think we can have an economic recovery so long as the government is giving people all this free extra money, which is going to lead to inflation. Inflation is already happening. And eventually that money won't do anything But people are going to, until $300 is worth zero, people will keep taking the free money. Because look at it this way. They're like, here's 300 bucks. You can buy a week's worth of groceries. They go, yes. Two two weeks go by and they say, here's 300 bucks. It'll now get you about 75% of your groceries. And they'll say, yeah, well, you know, it's better than nothing. Two weeks go by. It'll get you about a third of your groceries. Well, you know, it's better than nothing. And then after a few months, it's like 300 bucks. What does it really get you? Now, obviously, inflation isn't happening that fast, like 30% per month. But as long as the money gets you anything, people will take it. What happens, when, what happens if we get to the point where $300 can buy you one sandwich? People will take it. It's a free sandwich. No matter what. And it will just drive more and more inflation because people are taking from the system without producing. Here we have from PBS. July 16th, what happened when some GOP-led states cut the $300 unemployment benefit? And they're going to mention these stories about, you know, 
The moment I was forced to go back to work, my life was put at risk, said Foster, who had received the first dose of Moderna vaccine before contracting the coronavirus. Across the country, Americans who recently lost the extra $300 a week in unemployment are weighing tough choices about returning to work. Although the financial lifeline is supposed to last through September 6th, Republican governors in 25 states made the decision to end the extra benefits. Montana is open for business again, but I hear too many employers throughout our state who can't find workers. Greg Giaforte, the governor, uh, Gianforte, said on May 4th, he was one of the first leaders to announce that his state would pull out of the program, arguing the vast expansion of federal unemployment benefits was doing more harm than good. They're straight up telling you, we cannot grow our economy. We cannot provide for our citizens. People are not working because of this program. They say as of July 16th, unemployment benefits have been cut off in 23 Republican-led states, but remain in place in Indiana and Maryland due to legal battles. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards also made the decision to stop federal jobless benefits at the end of July. In a recent PBS NewsHour uh, Marist NPR poll, a majority of Americans said they believed the state and federal unemployment benefits should end. But there was a divide among party lines. 65% of Democrats responding say they should continue and 81% of Republicans saying they should end. How rushing back to work can curtail better opportunity. Well, I'll tell you. I've been on unemployment before, back when I was in my early 20s. And I think it's a fantastic program. I think it's a good program. And I think it helped save me, helped keep me from homelessness. So I agree with it. What I don't agree with is a seemingly endless, untapered, here you go, here's an extra 300 bucks on top of your already unemployment. So for a lot of people, they're willing to accept low unemployment and not work. What I was told specifically was, do not just take any job that comes your way. Take the job that will keep, will sustain you. And so for me, when I was looking for work, I was, I, I was talking to the people on unemployment. And I was like, should I just go to a fast food restaurant? And they were like, don't do that. Don't do that because uh, we want you to be in your career. Otherwise, you'll just come back on unemployment. And I was like, that's actually smart. Uh, I was working, uh, I was doing fundraising work for a legal, re- there's, there's, I had a legal battle. I ended up losing my job and then filed the suit. And because of that, I was in limbo and couldn't find work. And so I got unemployment. And they told me to try and find work in my field that was comparable. Otherwise, I would end back up on unemployment. I said, that makes sense to me. It does. So I can certainly understand that if we just cut everybody off, there's a problem there and that people might rush to find bad work and it might actually be worse to the economy. The reality is, though, why isn't anybody just saying we're going to be reducing unemployment benefits by 40 percent in the next two weeks, followed by an additional 40 percent, by additional 40 percent. So it's an exponential, exponentially decreasing thing until you get to a really low uh, bonus in your unemployment and then it becomes negligible and then your unemployment ends. It's either we're shutting it off or we're keeping it going. I'll tell you, we are, ru- we are, we are uh, ruled by idiots. I know we're not supposed to say ruled, I guess it's America, but this is the reality. The other question out of all of this was whether or not that the, the, man, the vaccine mandates and, and mask mandates would end because of the demands and uh, natural supply and demand. Something I brought up earlier in, this, in, in the segment, but it goes like this. If these businesses like Kroger are desperate to hire and people keep saying no, and they say, why won't you work here? And they say, I don't want to wear a mask. Then eventually Kroger says, okay, fine, no masks. Then maybe people would say, okay, I'd take that job, right? I don't think that'll happen. I'm going to show you this tweet from Nuance Bro on Twitter. He says, dystopian nightmare that people claimed would never happen. Papers, please, in order to eat food in an outdoor restaurant with police roaming around. That's right. In France, police are walking around and walking up to people sitting outside 
and demanding proof of vaccination. You thought they wouldn't do it. Oh, they'll do it. They're doing it. Now they'll criticize all the conservatives who are trying to watch, trying to somehow fix this stuff. For the most part, the Republican Party, I think, is I, I shambles is one way to put it. I think that they're ineffective and unable to do anything, and they're not really doing anything. When I see countries like France straight up going full on mandatory vaccinations, why would any of these companies cave? They got money. They're chilling. It's you who suffers. I love it. You see all these posts where, where people say like the top five companies are responsible for most of the carbon emissions and the billionaires are responsible for the carbon emissions. And I'm like, that's not true. It's not true. What happens is companies produce products that you buy. It's grains of sand making a heap. Now, the problem is nobody wants to be responsible for themselves. I am a, a firm proponent of people standing by principle, standing up for what they believe in and saying yes or no. Collective bargaining. Love the idea. Unfortunately, too many people are unwilling to stand up and fight for what they believe in and fight for what they think is important for their for themselves, their friends, their families and for this planet. And so you'll end up with people saying, I'm not going to do it. You do it. So what happens? You get authoritarianism because it's easier for people to do nothing. You get people blaming the billionaires for carbon emissions because it's easier than taking responsibility for the fact you leave your lights on and your AC at full blast. Nobody wants to take responsibility for the fact that they contribute all at the same time. The snowflake does not blame itself for the avalanche, but it is not the fault of the mountain that an avalanche occurred. The mountain was there. It's all of the snowflakes. And now there may be one big snowball that has accumulated mass over a long period of time, and then an avalanche occurs, but the avalanche is not possible unless all of the snowflakes form the avalanche. You get the point. We're in a, uh, I don't know, I'll put it as Zuby put it, controlled demolition. I think it's a slow-mo, slow-mo economic collapse. Like we're, we're gradually being, you know, let down. The economy is falling. They aren't trying to fix it. They're just trying to make it fall slowly so people don't freak out. You look at everything that's happening. And I can tell you this, Occam's razor suggests the least amount of assumptions. These people are all morons. They have no idea what they're doing, nor do they care. There is a disconnect between strategy and the economy. There's a disconnect between action, execution, and planning. And that means we are all chickens running around with our heads cut off. What can I say to you? Use this information to protect yourself and plan ahead. It may be that we pull out of the tailspin. We're in a tailspin. That's, that's, that's definitive. You can see it. But whether or not the plane hits the ground is something totally different. Maybe we'll pull out of this and start recovering. Maybe the fact that there are 10 million job openings shows businesses are open, open for business. We just need more people to take those jobs. Maybe come September, this will end. I kind of don't think so. I can't see the future or anything. But it seems to me with the extension of the eviction moratorium, come September, they're going to be like, oh, OK, unemployment benefits are ending. And there's going to be a panic saying, no, 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 we need the money. And then they're going to say, OK, we'll extend the money. And it'll just keep coming. And then what? No economy, slow motion collapse, or maybe slow motion recovery. Either way, we're going to be stuck in the muck for quite a bit. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. On the last episode of Real Time with Bill Maher, Malcolm Nance of MSNBC and Ben Shapiro of The Daily Wire were guests. Needless to say, they argued quite a bit. Ben Shapiro accurately and impressively defined critical race theory 
and the issues many people have with critical race theory and critical race applied principles in schools. And Malcolm Nance said, I actually agree, but then went on to mischaracterize a lot of what Ben Shapiro was about and what many conservatives are saying, as well as many liberal opponents of critical race theory. In the end, on Twitter, many people, many who are not conservative, defended Ben Shapiro, saying he clearly knew better. He clearly, quote unquote, won. And Malcolm Nance, his defense was they must be bots. It's the easiest way to do it, I guess. Now, there are a couple other subjects that we're going to talk about in this segment as we discuss the, the battle of a critical race theory. And I was actually contemplating leading with this story from TimCast.com, uh, from Olivia Rondeau. American University builds safe space dorms for black students. One of the most diverse universities in the country in a city where nearly half the population is black now has black affinity housing. What does that mean? It means effectively racially segregated housing. I watched the, the real time with Bill, uh, Bill Maher uh, debate. I watched Ben Shapiro and Malcolm Nance kind of go at it. And I got to say, uh, first, I was incredibly impressed by Ben Shapiro's knowledge, understanding, and his the ease at which he was able to break things down. He also had that very funny quip where he said something like Malcolm Nance called him stupid and, 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 and something insulting. And then Ben said something about sleeping on piles of money, which was funny, but kind of irrelevant. And I kind of roll my eyes at just like the, the, the candor of Real Time with Bill Maher. But I think it's fi uh, suffice it to say, I was, I was just, you know, watching uh, Ben actually break it down. I was incredibly impressed, though I do think there were some missed opportunities to explain what is wrong with critical race applied principles and this weird, dull critical race theory version that's being spread. The first thing that I think, actually, I'll give tremendous credit to Ben Shapiro's overall performance. He noted Derek Bell, prominent critical race theorist, opposed Brown v. Board of Education. He actually wanted racial segregation. This is one of the preeminent critical race theorists. This is what they are teaching your children. Don't believe me? I pulled it up. This is from stanford.edu. April 21st, 2004. Black children might have been better off without Brown v. Board of Education, uh, Brown v. Board, Derek Bell says. While honoring the efforts and sacrifices of the people whose struggles culminated in Brown v. Board of Education, the Supreme Court case that ended school segregation in this country, New York University professor Derek Bell, Derek Bell provocatively suggested last week that generations of black children might have been better off if the case had failed. I talked about this before even truly understanding much of the past quotes and the roots of these ideas. When I was down in Ferguson and, and you know, in Baltimore and I saw the rioters, I saw the protests, I saw the Black Lives Matter meetings. I went to these meetings and there was a letter circulating talking about how segregation was was good. And this is from Black Lives Matter. And they argued that it never should have ended. It was a ploy from the white people to steal their power by forcing them from their own communities into the white community where they would be less wealthy and less accessed and less privileged. <clears throat> now, I understood the idea. I understood it had been circulated for some time, but I didn't realize that it actually, for the most part, comes from Derek Bell, from critical race theory, and it becomes critical race applied principles when they then create black affinity, affinity housing. They can't call it segregation. Nobody likes that. Which brings me to how the public interprets everything. So let me show you what Malcolm Nance is saying. 
you know, the culmination of, of Ben Shapiro and how they respond to him. I'm going to back up what Ben is saying, and I'm going to prove him right, and I'm going to go one step further. I think Ben had some great opportunities to explain what praxis means and what manifests in front of your children beyond just saying, here's what critical race theory is, here's our problem with it. And I agree. What we need to say is here are the tangible after effects of the racism being taught in these schools. First, the culture war absurdity. Newsweek reports Malcolm Nance suggests bot tweets behind Ben Shapiro praise after clash. No, it's because Ben did a great job. Former Navy officer and national security expert Malcolm Nance suggested on Friday that Twitter bots were in part responsible for praise Ben Shapiro received following a clash between them on HBO. Nance, who is an MSNBC com- contributor, appeared with Shapiro on real time. While discussing Shapiro's latest book, The Authoritarian Moment, Nance joked that some readers would buy it because they assumed it was about real authoritarianism and later criticized Shapiro's show. The book argues that the American left is becoming a source of authoritarianism. Ben Shapiro is 100 percent correct. As I stated in a previous segment, what's effectively happening is that you have the media come and say X and then everyone just says, yes, X. Then they come out and they say, actually, not X. Why? And then everyone goes, yes, yes, why? That's authoritarianism. The strict adherence to the authority without question. Now, there's a bunch of different ways to understand authoritarianism, but one of them is which you have an authority, the establishment, the cathedral, the overstate, and they will say something that defies logical reason, but people say, shut your mouth and just fall in line. That's authoritarianism. Nance and Shapiro also clashed over the issue of critical race theory and schools. Following the show, users of social media praised both Nance and Shapiro for their performance. Nance highlighted one tweet defending Shapiro and suggested it showed that bot accounts were praising the conservative author. These people are insane. There's something wrong with them. They live in this world where any criticism is a robot. I, I, I under, look, I actually know about sock puppetry. You know what sock puppetry is? When people make fake accounts and then operate multiple accounts to make it seem like there's public opinion on their side. Governments do this. I know it exists. I've been following that stuff for a decade. It's been around forever. And I still don't just immediately assume every interaction or criticism is a bot. These people are losing their minds. They live in conspiracy wacko world. Quote, I've seen hundreds of these. I don't like Shapiro, but bot tweets tonight, Nance wrote. I have zero fake accounts hating on me, but then praising my performance. Bot accounts are automated Twitter accounts that are not operated by real people and which have been deployed for political messaging purposes in the past. However, the, the account Nance pointed to may not be a bot. Look at this. It's amazing. Even, even Newsweek is like, yo, dude, you're not right, okay? However, the account Nance referred to uh, did not appear to engage in obviously automated activity. It shared several posts defending Shapiro's appearance on real time on Friday, but those posts did not resemble the repetitive messages bot accounts frequently share. The tweet in question said, he, Nance, lost entirely LMAO. I don't like Shapiro, but he schooled him. Newsweek has contacted Twitter for comment. During Friday's show, Marr discussed Shapiro's new book and asked him about authoritarianism from the right, specifically mentioning former President Trump. Quote, with Tucker Carlson in Hungary right now, kissing up to the dictator Viktor Orban, I thought it would be a great time to talk about your book, The Authoritarian Moment, which I must say I'm not being snarkier. When I saw the title, I thought, oh, he's writing about Trump, but you're not. Your thesis is the authoritarian moment is coming from the left. Following a back and forth between Maher and Shapiro on the subject of authoritarianism, authoritarianism, Nant said, it's a nice title for his book. And I think a lot of people who would assume uh, a lot of people who would assume that he's talking about real authoritarianism could be trapped into giving you twenty eight ninety nine. Later, 
The conversation turned to CRT, and Shapiro claimed the controversial ideas associated with it are being taught in schools, a claim that has been advanced by many conservatives, but which many teachers have dismissed as untrue. Full stop. Newsweek, do your jobs. It's a fact. I went over this with Charlie Kirk and Vosh. We pulled up the articles. The National Educators Association has talked about implementing critical race theory. There are teachers in videos that have been leaked talking about critical race theory. But as Ben Shapiro broke it down very perfectly, he said, there's the very uh, jargonistic esoteric critical race theory of law school. Ben Shapiro mentions that he actually studied that when he was in law school. And there is critical race praxis, which is they take the teaching of of critical race theory and then apply it into other areas. The easiest example of which is when they say something like a math question. It used to be a train leaves, you know, Cincinnati traveling 100 miles an hour. And one leaves, you know, Pittsburgh traveling at 300 miles an hour. At what point? Blah, blah, blah. You get it. Math problems. Now, there, there, there are questions where it says, like, John is a white man in America who has been stopped by police three times in the past year. Ricky is a black American who's been stopped 492. What percentage of stops were by? So it's about math, but they inject critical race ideas into the subject matter that is irrelevant. That's critical race applied principles. They say, Nance said the term CRT had been hijacked and he believed history should be taught in schools. Shapiro responded by saying Nance was defending CRT by redefining it as history, calling it a cheap semantic trick. Is it what you do on your show? Because it sucks, Nance says. Shapiro replied, you know, Malcolm, I appreciate that, but I will comfort myself tonight by sleeping on my bed made of money. Admittedly, I laughed and I thought it was funny. But for the purpose of argument, I thought that was ultimately a bad move on on Ben's part. He could have just replied. You know know what I would say to that? If someone said, is what you do on your show because it sucks? I'd be like, look, I, I, do you want to argue the ideas or are you just here to insult me? Because I'm not, I'm not here to insult you. Please don't insult me. Can we just talk about the idea? Ben Shapiro, funny, quick-witted, and I'm sure uh, in, 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 for tribal reasons, people were probably laughing. I mean, I thought it was a funny response, but the Daily Wire shared a statement from Shapiro about his appearance on Mars show. It was written following the show on Friday. Tonight, Americans will see the real the reason the left plays semantic games when it comes to critical race theory, because when advocates for CRT are confronted with the overt racism of the program, they can't defend it. If we're going to talk about authoritarianism, we must look at who holds institutional power. The simple fact is that the left controls the commanding heights of our media, social media, corporate world, scientific institutions and bureaucracy, as well as the House, Senate and presidency, at least for now. Americans can feel the danger of creeping authoritarianism in uh, each and every day. From evidence-free mask mandates to social media crackdowns on dissent to admittedly unconstitutional edicts from the White House. As I made clear tonight on Bill Maher's show, if the Democrats think their authoritarianism won't hurt them politically, they're going to be shocked by next year's midterm results. And I agree. I've already showed you the article from TimCast.com, Olivia Rondeau writing about black safe space storms. Let's talk about the missed opportunity, in my opinion. I think Ben should have absolutely said, here's what critical race theory is. Here's what's being applied in schools, this this critical race praxis, which tells kids to do certain things. And here's the real world result. And ask the liberal audience, liberals in the audience, would you agree that these are bad things? First, black only housing called black affinity housing. They say the new black affinity housing dorms will be located in the newly renovated Roper Hall, according to the official FAQ page. Students will spend intentional time together and create community within the space that affirms and celebrates the identities of black students. Affinity housing will allow participating students to maintain a sense of self-worth, reconnect with a sense of identity and pride, and provide participating students with the opportunity to regroup, uh, process experiences, and be surrounded by a community of support. 
That's a lot of words to say that black students apparently need a political echo chamber and a safe space to segregate themselves into. So, so, so first thing I'd say is critical race theory. It is the idea that racism is baked into every institution of this country. It is beyond just the idea of systemic uh, uh, racism. This is, another, this is another mistake I think a lot of people make. Critical race theory operates under the supposition of oppressed and oppressor. It, take, it borrows from critical theory, Marx's class theory. The critical race theorists argued that Marx didn't understand racial politics in the United States, and thus the idea of class-based oppressed versus oppressor didn't apply as much as race would. Thus, critical race theory was named so that people would understand it was rooted in the ideas of critical theory, oppressed versus oppressor, generally Marxist thinking. What we end up with now is this really watered down version. And I, what I mean by watered down is it, it misses a lot of that higher level um, argumentation, as it were. And you end up with white people are oppressors and everyone who's not white is oppressed, which is extremely problematic. It ultimately results in black only student housing. And worse still, it results in the Sacramento City Unified School District arguing for white racial affinity groups. We got to stop. Go back. You went too far. So this is what needs to be said to Bill Maher's audience. When they're all, you know, Bill Maher says, I appreciate you coming here. These people are clearly not with you. I would say I for me, obviously, Ben Shapiro is a conservative. I'd say I, I'm, I, I'm curious as to why they would not be. Legitimate question. My, my question for the audience is, do you support segregated school housing, meaning only, you know, how, dorms only for black people, white people don't go there. Do you support schools telling the white students to form groups of only white students? Other races aren't allowed to join. Do you support, I believe it was in Seattle, when they had the white only diversity event and the non-white diversity event? Do you support in Michigan, the University of Dearborn, when they had the whites only digital cafe and the non-whites digital cafe? Would you support those efforts? And if you would say yes, I would say we disagree. I am not with you. I get it. I think racial segregation is wrong. I think civil rights heroes fought and won integration that we would live and work side by side and you cannot discriminate on the basis of race and identity and all these things. Yet these are the people, people like Malcolm Nance, who are defending this, people like Don Lemon on CNN who defend these ideas and advocate for the, the, the era but pre-1950s. This is from Sacramento City Anti-Racist Classroom. They say, racial affinity groups offer a structure of inquiry and can address many needs. They support us in exploring what has been forbidden, forgotten, and unhealed. For example, in racial affinity groups, white people can discover together their group identity. Why? Why? Who other than Klan members would be advocating for white people to form white racial group identity? I guess because most of us liberals, and even today, strangely, the conservatives and the real liberals, the way that liberals used to be, I guess, would be like, that's a bad thing. We, we want people to be Americans, first and foremost. We want unity. We don't want racial animosity or segregation. That's why I tell you, these people are reactionaries. Now, they'd like to say that I am a reactionary, but that makes literally no sense. I'm 100% I'm reformist. I want this country to change. I want it to change a lot. I just don't want to burn it down. I want to have negotiations and compromise with people. Oh, heaven forbid. Yeah, reform isn't, isn't the strongest of positions, but I don't believe we just destroy everything. And then you have the reactionaries, the woke, 
the, the establishment left and those who support critical race applied principles are literally reactionary. Okay. If you don't know what reactionary means, it means they oppose the revolution. The world has been identitarian up until 57 years ago when the United States said we will not use race as the basis of our government, of our policymaking. That's the revolution, the revolution that my family fought so hard for to change things. Because you go to China, you go to Japan, you go to these other countries, they are still race and ethnocentric countries. The United States is opposed to those things. And it scares me because it feels like we are losing thanks to people like Malcolm Nance and the, and the teachers who are, who are pushing critical race applied principles in our schools. Why would the Sacramento City Unified School District advocate for white groups of white students forming racial identity groups? I don't know. Now, the argument, I suppose, is they want to say that this is when they teach kids to reflect on white privilege. But I ask you this. Do you think the white students will sit there and be down on themselves? Or do you think they might sit around and be like, hey, we're great? Yeah. How about we bring everyone together and say, how about a, an American identity or a human identity? I'm all about hu- humans, man. We can say, you know, uh, we have we have America. But humanity comes first, followed by our community, our nation. What I mean by humanity is, you know, when China has concentration camps, we speak out about that. That's bad. And then when we have problems with Detroit's water, we say we speak out about that, too, because that's bad as well. When America engages in war, we want to protect life. We speak about these things. We challenge them. These people want us to segregate on the basis of race, which is going to fracture any kind of global unity. It's going to be... It is bad. I bring you now to the reactionary Derek Bell, who opposes the end of segregation. He makes an interesting argument. He says, quote, from the standpoint of education, we would have been better served had the court in Brown rejected the petitioner's arguments to overrule Plessy v. Ferguson. Bell said, referring to the 1896 Supreme Court ruling that enforced a separate but equal standard for blacks and whites. While acknowledging the deep injustices done to black children in segregated schools, Bell argued the court should have determined to enforce the generally ignored equal part of the separate but equal doctrine. He's quite literally defending Plessy v. Ferguson. This is mind-blowingly insane to me. To the audience of Bill Maher, or to anybody who has, share this with them and ask them these questions. Ask them, do you support Brown v. uh, the ruling? that ended segregation in schools, Brown v. Board of Education. Do you think the students should have been allowed to go to schools and not be discriminated on the basis of race? I think everybody of all races and all backgrounds anywhere should be allowed to go to these schools and not be discriminated against. So to the, to the people who are there cheering on Malcolm Nance, what do you believe? Do you support Plessy v. Ferguson, separate but equal? I don't. I think people should be allowed to, if we are paying taxes and functioning in society, then we should be allowed to enjoy uh, uh, the benefits of society and public accommodation. So if somebody has a cake shop and someone comes in, the baker is not going to say, based on arbitrary characteristics, I am denying you service. Obviously, as for the baker in Colorado, it's, it's slightly different. But I use that as, as a notable example because people kind of understand the general, the, the larger argument. They get wrong, but the point is, the baker was willing to serve anybody, just not write custom messages. It's a different thing. That's a free speech issue for a small business. But if you own a burrito shop and an Asian person comes in, I don't think you should be able to deny them just because they're Asian. I think you are occupying public space in the commons and you should treat people so long as they're not uh, obstructing the business and causing problems equally and fairly. 
That's my opinion. It's tough. You know, conservatives seem to agree right now. I had Charlie Kirk say, should the, the government have enforced the end of segregation? And I say, yeah, it, they should. In which case, the police and law enforcement need to enforce the law equally anywhere within any neighborhood. I, I, I get those arguments. But you look at what Derek Bell believes, and it is not progress. It is something entirely different. Now, if you have these activists continuing this direction, it's going to get worse. It is universities continuing to do segregated housing. It is schools telling white kids to form groups of white kids. What happens then when you have a bunch of 10 year olds and they're all white and they're in a group together, all talking about how they're white, and then they see someone who's not a part of their group and then they bully him? Or what happens when a different group does it? A bunch of Asians form an Asian affinity group and then they see a, a black kid and they bully him because the out group has now become race based. It's insane to me. So Ben Shapiro, I think, hit it out of the park. I think there were a few opportunities to ask the audience these questions. Let me let me ask you, do you support? And, and Ben Shapiro did bring up uh, Brown v. Board of Education and mentioned what Derek Bell believed. I think the audience needed the direct question. I want you all to think about this, and I would ask you this. Would you support racially segregating students like Sacramento did in their unified school district, arguing that white students should form affinity groups to explore their white identity? Personally, I'm not for that. I think a lot of white nationalists might be, though. I'm not for it. No, I think Americans should come together as Americans. I think we should all have. Uh, so I'm not a, I'm not a nationalist. I'm also not a globalist. I think actually when I take the, 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 you know, that political test everyone does, it's the like eight axis test. I'm like 50 50 because obviously I think if we don't take care of ourselves and our community, then we suffer and we don't engage properly with anybody. And I also think we're we have to engage internationally with our neighbors and other countries. I think most people do. I just think, you know, it's 50 50 a little bit. Ultimately, what I say is I envision a global earth, a, a one world where we don't necessarily have one government for the planet. Although I think that would be, in many ways, a good thing. Let me explain. What we're worried about is that globalization is coming, and it's a bunch of despot dictators who are taking over. They lie, they cheat, and they steal, and they extract. They have big, fancy birthday parties on Martha's Vineyard where they don't wear masks, and then they tell you you got to follow the rules. That's bad. What's good? A one-world authority where all the different nations can cooperate for specific end goals, but national sovereignty for setting your own laws within your borders. What that would mean is if the if, if you get one country that's like dumping plutonium in a river that flows down to another country, there's an international authority that would intervene. Right now, we're sort of getting there, but we end up with a lot of war. We don't want that. We want some agreed upon intervention to stop, say, someone dump it, to arbitrate these things. We have world courts. We have the, uh, the Hague and things like that. But then we need to say within the borders of the United States, our citizens enjoy these rights. I think that would be a good thing. Granted, I don't know for sure. Um, there's always a worry that any authority will become dictatorial, despotic. But I think if, if, if that's the fear, it's true for any government, even the U.S. Ultimately, I think the, the world needs to come together. We need to better protect our environment, better regulate. Uh, maybe regulate isn't the right, world, uh, right word. Better plan for, uh, you know, how, how people are uh, taught what their values are. And then I hope that one day we will be like a Star Trek future, you know, Earth and visiting the stars. But who knows? We're not quite there yet. For now, we're in the era where you have the left trying their hardest to segregate everybody and rip apart our chance 
at doing something great and being better. It's funny. There's like a weird split. They claim to be the transhumanists, but they're not. They're identity based. They want to segregate everything. That's bad. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.